Well, as a parent uh, with my kids, there's something my kids love to do, and I hope this continues throughout their entire lives. I promise it won't. Uh, those of you that have teenagers, you're going to say, yeah, that's not going to last. Right now, my kids love to help. They love to help around the house in a ton of different ways. They love to do dishes. They love to load the dishwasher. They love to do laundry. My oldest, uh, Connor, who's four and a half, was helping me fold laundry yesterday. You can imagine how pleased Becky was with that. You would think she would be happy, but when you saw what it looked like, when she couldn't tell if it was me or Connor folding. It was that bad. But we folded clothes and towels yesterday. Uh, we have been mulching the outside of our, our house, uh, that area. We have been sweeping. My kids love to vacuum. I mean, I'm not kidding. If Cole is in one side of the house and I turn the vacuum on in the other side, he will drop whatever he's doing, run to where I'm at and say, me, 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 he wants to vacuum. Now that sounds great, doesn't it? I mean, all of you are like, man, Brian, you must be a great parent. They, they love helping. Here's the problem, is their help is not really helpful <laughs> at all. Uh, when we were doing the mulch, I was trying to explain, mulch goes here, and I would start mulching the side of the house, and I'd turn around, and the mulch was not where it's supposed to be. It was all on the grass. So I'm like, no, 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 mulch goes here, and we rake it this way, and they just didn't get it. When we would sweep or vacuum, I would get all the, all the dirt and the dust in one pile. And you, as adults, know what we do next. We then get the dustpan and we sweep it up and we throw it away. My kids, on the other hand, when they see a dust pile and they have a broom in their hands, it's let's spread it around some more. So they just take and they just take away all the work that you've done. Their help is not necessarily helpful, but I still choose to let them help. It's it's a great opportunity for them to be part of, of our life. We say, well, that's just being part of a Haas. That's part of being part of the Haas family. If you're an employer and you've ever hired a new employee, you kind of go through that same thing. You feel like you have to, to train this new employee, and it's like dealing with a toddler at times because they don't know how to do the job. And, and if you ever have brought on interns, intern, God bless interns, it's good for them. It's rough for you. If you've ever had an intern or if you've been through an internship program, it's a positive thing, but it is difficult. And what happens, whether you're a parent, whether you're an employer and you're training other people and you're working with interns, at some point you will say this phrase, it would be a lot easier for me to what? Do it myself. It would be a lot easier for me to just do it myself instead of having to train you and to clean up your mistakes and to, to work twice as hard to do my job and your job as a parent. Just watch Barney. I'll clean the house because I know I'm going to have to clean it twice as, twice as much if you help and it's going to take twice as long. At some point, we say that phrase, I'll just do it myself. It'd be a lot easier for me to do it myself. So often we approach God in a similar fashion. Well, God, I mean, you could just do this all on your own. God, do, do you really need me? Do you really want, I, I don't think I'm gonna really offer much. I mean, do you know what I've done? Do you see who I am, where I've been, what I've done, what I've said, who I've become? And we hold all that together and we say, God, there's no way you can do anything with this. God, I don't even know if you can still or even want to love me, but you most certainly don't wanna like use me or use any of this. But what's incredible is he says, yeah, I still do. Now, please, please understand, God doesn't need us. He's not up in heaven just worn out like, oh man, I really wish some of my children would help out around here. No, he doesn't need us, but he still chooses to include us. He chooses to use us and invite us into what he's doing, his big plan, his will. That's what this whole series is about. God used who? God, God used me, God can use me, and throughout scripture, we see story after story of God using people that have no business being used by God, quite honestly. 
but he still chooses to use us. He doesn't need us, but he wants to include us in what he's doing. What I want us to look at this morning and what we're going to do through the rest of this series is just that. Moments throughout scripture where God uses people that we would be, be totally shocked to find out that God really chose, chose, didn't need, but chose to still use these individuals. So the one we're going to look at this morning, if you have your Bible, Old Testament, Numbers chapter 22. Numbers chapter 22. We're going to pick up the story kind of halfway through what's really happening. We're going to start in verse 21. Let me give you a little background here. We're going to look at a guy named Balaam. And Balaam is a wicked prophet. Not necessarily a false prophet. A false prophet would be somebody that, that makes stuff up. They're not telling the truth. But Balaam is a wicked prophet, which means, yes, he hears from God. And yes, he even at times speaks God's word and, and gives God's message to whoever but his heart is very far from God. So that makes him a wicked prophet. And it's interesting still that God would even choose to speak to this man because he he's all about himself to the point where there's a king, king, the king of Moab. And Moab, the country of Moab, and Israel, the Israelites, they obviously do not get along. So the king of Moab has an idea. He's gonna hire Balaam to place a curse on the Israelites. So he gets some of his men, goes and says, Balaam, I've got a proposition for you. If you will come to me, come to Moab, and if you will curse the Israelites, I'll reward you. I'll pay you. And Balaam's like, that's a great idea. I'll curse whoever you want me to. No problem. Now, obviously, God has some issues with that, and God had told him that. Because again, even though he's a wicked prophet, he still heard from God and still on occasions would speak for God. But I want you to see what he does next. So he gets hired to place a curse on the Israelites, and God had told him, there have been conversations prior to where we're going to pick it up of, you shouldn't go. I don't want you to go. Stay away. You cannot curse my people. They are a blessed people. But here's what happens. Numbers chapter 22, starting in verse 21. So the next morning, Balaam got up, saddled his donkey, and started off with the Moabite officials. He's going to go to the king of Moab, um, as, he, as was requested of him by the king. Verse 22. But God was, what was God at Balaam? Angry. We all get that, right? He's going to the king of Moab to place a curse on the Israelites. God's not happy with him. But, the God, but God was angry that Balaam was going, so he sent the angel of the Lord to stand in the road to block his way. To block his way. God sent an angel to oppose Balaam. Now let me just call time out here because I need you to understand how opposition works. You got your worship guide, hopefully you got when you came in, or write it on your phone. What I want you to do is I want you to identify one opposition you personally are currently facing. Don't tell me about your brother's sister's aunt that's dealing with something. I want you to actually identify one thing that you feel like you are just hitting a wall on. You're opposing. You've got opposition. We all have something on some level. Maybe it's relational. Maybe it has to do with the workplace and your job, the lack of job, the struggle finding a job or keeping a job. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's your community, your friends, your neighbors. Maybe the HOA is after you. I don't know what it is for you, but there's going to be some opposition. We all go through opposition. So can you do that? Write down what opposition are you currently facing? Write it down so that way you can at least identify it. Now, here's the question I want to ask. There's a lot of questions that are going with this, so stick with me. Is that opposition from God or not? Now, can we all agree, just based on the scripture so far, does God oppose us sometimes? Does he provide opposition? Yes or no? Yes. It says so right here. God sent an angel 
to stand in the road to block his way. So sometimes opposition is from God. Is all opposition from God? Yes or no? No, not necessarily. I mean, opposition can come in all shapes and sizes for many different reasons. But what it comes down to is, what do we do with that opposition? There's three things, three ways that we can interact with that opposition that you wrote down. The first one is to blow right through it, is to say, I've got a, a, a block in my path. I've got a wall in my way. I'm facing opposition, and I'm going to make sure I'm stronger, and I'm going to blow right through it. Nothing will stand in my way. That's one way we can deal with opposition. Another way is to stop and just sit and to wait and see if time will adjust this opposition. See if at some point in time, God will move this opposition. See if, if time will, will mend or heal or fix the opposition, the situation, the problem that you're facing. So we can blow through it, we can sit and wait, or we can stop, turn, and go the other direction. When we run up against a wall, when we hit opposition, we could hit it and say, nope, that's not happening. And so then we just go another way. We find another way. We go a different direction. Now, those are the only real three ways that you can interact with opposition. The problem is knowing which one of those three to do. So whatever you wrote down, I'm sure you're trying to figure out how do I deal with it? Do I just blow through it and just keep on keeping on? Is this a waiting game? Do we need to just sit and wait and see what happens? Or Am I doing something wrong? Am I going the wrong direction? Is, is this not meant to be and I need to be rerouted or redirected? We don't always know. So what happens is we start guessing. Here's the problem with guessing with opposition. I don't think any of you, um, like I would, if we went into a house and you're like, man, let's, let's remodel the house. The first thing we would not do is take a sledgehammer and just start busting down walls because we didn't like them there, would it? No, we don't know anything about the structure. We don't know anything about the walls. And, and well, are they load-bearing? Is it, is it really part of the integrity, the structural integrity of this house? No, we would want to gather some information first before we started just blowing it all up. And, well, this is the way I see it, and this is the way I would like to have, have my house look. We would start calling in some experts, and we would ask some questions to figure out how we handle those walls or those oppositions. So let me give you four things real quick. Four questions we need to ask before we do anything with our opposition, before we try to blow through it, before we just sit and wait forever, or before we start going another direction, you need to ask four questions about your walls, before, um, uh, four questions about your opposition. The first one is, who built that wall? Who put it there? Where did it come from? Is it from God or is it from something else? Is it a consequence? Is it just somebody else intruding on my life or not? You've got to ask the question, where did it come from? The second one is, why is it there? Does it have a purpose? That's what we're going to see here in just a little bit. This opposition, opposition that Balaam's facing has a purpose. But if you don't stop and ask the question, you'll never know. Why is this opposition here? Why is this wall in my path? Why do I keep hitting and running up against it? The third question uh, we have to ask is, well, what do other people think? What do other people think? We have to get other people. If I was to renovate a house before I did anything to it, before I broke down any wall, I would be hiring in people and say, what's the purpose of this wall and what do you think? Should we leave this one here? Should we keep this one here? What do we need to do with it? Bring other people into the conversation. And the fourth question is what's on the other side of it? Sometimes we're so eager to blow through a wall, we realize, oh, it's actually worse on the other side. There was, oh, once again, there's a reason it was there. So, who put it there? Why is it there? What do other people think about it? And know what's on the other side of that opposition, on the other side of that wall. 
Now, here's the problem with Balaam. He's hitting this wall. He's facing opposition. He never asks any questions, ever, as we're going to see. He fails to ask questions. Well, why, why am I being opposed? He doesn't ask any questions, and that leads to an escalation of more opposition. Now, let's just, I don't want to make any assumptions here, so let me just make sure we're super, super clear and on the same page. How do we, how do we ask questions to God? What, is, what do we call that? Prayer. Just if we're not on the same page, we pray and we say, God, here's what's going on. Here's the walls that I'm facing. Here's the opposition I'm facing. And we can start to ask God these questions. Now, how do we hear from God? How do we seek and listen for answers? Okay, I'll tell you. We read his word. This says, scripture says that all scripture is God breathed. This is what he's telling us. And so if we're gonna pray and, and, and say, God, here's what I'm dealing with. Here's my opposition. Here's the walls that I'm facing. Here's the walls that I'm hitting. We have to make sure we're not just asking questions, but we're also listening for answers. This is where we listen for answers. This is how we listen for answers. So reading God's word. If we don't ask and listen, we are going to miss what this roadblock, what this wall, what this opposition is there for, and then how to interact with it. So here's what happens. Balaam, like I said, he doesn't do any of that. He runs into opposition, and here's what he does. As Balaam and two servants were riding along, Balaam's donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand. The donkey bolted off the road into a field, but Balaam beat it and turned it back onto the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood at a place where the road narrowed between two vineyard walls. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it tried to squeeze by and crush Balaam's foot against the wall. So Balaam, as he did before, Balaam beat the donkey again. Verse 26, then the angel of the Lord moved further down the road and stood in a place too narrow for the donkey to get by at all. This time when the donkey saw the angel, it lay down under Balaam. In a fit of rage, Balaam beat the animal again with his staff. So you can see he's dealing with opposition, but he hasn't asked any questions. He's not listening for answers. He is just stubborn in his mind of, I'm going to make it through, and I'm going to do whatever is needed to get through without actually stopping and asking some questions and figuring out, why is my donkey not going on the road? He doesn't realize the opposition. Now, he also doesn't realize the severity of the situation, the seriousness of it. Scripture tells us that God sent an angel of the Lord to block his way, but it also says that he has what drawn in his hand? A sword drawn in his hand. I mean, this is the real deal. This is, this is for real. God is not just saying, hey, Balaam, buddy, old pal, I would rather you not go this way. No, he has an angel of the Lord with a sword drawn standing directly in his path. This is not God saying, well, I've got some personal advice. Do you mind, pal, if you go this way instead of this way? No, this angel has a sword drawn. Now, the donkey recognizes this. The donkey sees this and is trying every way it can to get off the road and to not go towards this angel that has a sword drawn. But Balaam is totally ignorant to it. He doesn't realize it whatsoever. Now, here's what you'll see. I said this earlier, your opposition, if you don't figure out the right way to deal with opposition, that opposition will escalate. And our emotions and stubbornness escalate with it. It started out that the angel was just blocking its path and all the donkey had to do was just kind of go off the road. Well, that didn't get Balaam's attention. So then what happened next? The angel of the Lord is now in a more narrow place. Well, that didn't work. And so 
Now the angel of the Lord is in a place where he cannot pass, literally, physically cannot pass. And all the while, as Balaam is beating his donkey, he's getting more and more stubborn, more and more emotional to the point where it says that he was, he was in a fit of rage that third time. When we beat up against a wall, when we're facing opposition, if we don't take the time to ask some questions, is this from God, is this not from God? If it is from God, well, is this like God testing my faith or is this God like opposing me and wanting me to go another direction? How do we know if we're not asking questions and listening through his word for the answers? Because if we choose the wrong way to interact with our opposition, the opposition won't go away. It will continue to escalate. And our emotions and our stubbornness, just like Balaam, will continue to escalate as well. Here's what happens next. And I'm telling you, if you do not have a favorite Bible verse, if you don't have a favorite Bible story, you have permission to take this one. Here it is, verse 28. Then the Lord gave the donkey the ability to speak. What have I done to you that deserves you beating me three times? It asked Balaam. Verse 29. Well, you have made me look like a fool, Balaam shouted. If I had a sword with me, I would kill you. Now, you've got to picture what's happening here. God gave a donkey the ability to speak. And not just speak, you're going to see, they're going to actually have a conversation. And Balaam, all worked up, all emotional, he's in a fit of rage, he actually talks back to this talking donkey. This is like a Shrek scene all over again. It was the original Shrek. And what happens here, remember, who was riding with Balaam and his donkey? Do you remember? There was a couple of these Moabite officials, right? So we've got a couple of them and we don't know whether they see the angel or don't, if they hear the donkey talk or not, but I'm positive they see Balaam talk back to a donkey and say, you're making me look like a fool. And those officials would have been standing there thinking, you are a fool because you're talking to a donkey. The donkey did not make you look like a fool. He talks back to the talking donkey. Verse 30, but I am the same donkey you have ridden your whole life, the donkey answered. Have I ever done anything like this before? Now the donkey's not just talking and not just having a conversation. This donkey is rationalizing with Balaam. They are having an intelligent conversation. And so what the donkey's doing is helping him process. The donkey says, well, why do you keep beating me? Well, you're making me look like a fool. Well, have I ever done anything like this? Wouldn't you say this is out of character for me, says the donkey that's talking Yet nowhere in here does Balaam says, why are you talking? See, he has a problem with asking obvious questions. But now look at this. So the, the donkey said, well, have I ever done anything like this before? I'm the donkey you've ridden your whole life. And I imagine that, that Balaam is starting to ponder this. Well, no, I see where you're coming from. Yes, I've ridden you my whole life. And no, I've, I've, well, I've never heard you talk, but I've also never heard or seen you act this way. So Balaam responds, no, Balaam admitted. Now just hear this. This is, is obvious proof through scripture that God can use anyone or anything at any time to accomplish his will. His will being the key there. God can use anyone, anything, anytime to accomplish his will. Even if that means giving the ability to speak and have a rational, intelligent conversation to a donkey to get Balaam's attention, to speak to Balaam. God can use whatever he wants. That includes us. That includes us. But what's interesting about this conversation that Balaam and the donkey are having is the donkey is trying to help 
Balaam see what's really happening. Like there's something going on here that's, that's not normal besides the donkey talking. There's something happening here, Balaam, that you're not aware of, but he still doesn't get it. In verse 31, he finally starts to get it. Verse 31 says, Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the roadway with a drawn sword. We keep seeing that, with a drawn sword. It's going to be important. Here's why. In his hand. Balaam bowed his head and fell face down on the ground before him. Why did you beat your donkey those three times? The angel of the Lord demanded. Look, I have come to block your way because, here's the reason why, because you are, and I want you to say these two words with me, you are stubbornly resisting me, he says. Three times the donkey saw me and shied away. Otherwise, I would have certainly have killed you by now and spared the donkey. (laughs) You gotta love that. The donkey recognized who and what was opposing him and their way. But every single time, out of the three times, every single one of them, Balaam was totally unaware, totally unaware of what was, where the opposition was truly coming from. And like I said earlier, he doesn't understand the severity of it until now. Until now, he didn't recognize the seriousness and the severity of the situation, of who was opposing them, but more importantly, with why. Now, we said it, why was Why was this angel opposing him? What were those two words? Stubbornly resisting. If you go back, you wrote down, hopefully you wrote down, or at least you have something in mind of an opposition you're currently facing. Those are relatively easy to identify. We can can easily say, well, this is what I'm running up against. Here's a much harder and a much more convicting question. You don't have to write this one down, but I want you to at least begin to think about it, and hopefully over maybe the next week, you can begin to answer it. What's the condition of your heart? You see, we get insight into the condition of Balaam's heart. He was stubbornly resisting God. That's a heart issue. That's a heart condition. Remember, Balaam is doing what he wants when he wants it. He's going his own way. He wants a reward, and all he has to do is curse the Israelites. And God's saying, no, I want you to go this way and do what I'm asking you to do and say what I'm asking you to say. Two totally different heart conditions. He's not, Balaam's not aligned with God. And what happens is when we have that kind of a heart problem, it doesn't just affect our heart, it affects other areas. In this case, his vision. He literally is not seeing what God is doing, which makes sense. If Balaam is going this direction and God is saying, no, I want you to go this direction, it's, it makes sense that he's not aware of what God's doing. And when we stubbornly resist God in whatever aspect, it doesn't allow us to see God's movement and hear his voice in our lives which is exactly what happened to Balaam. Because of his heart condition, a donkey was able to see what God was doing better than what he could actually see. So the question is, are you stubbornly resisting God in any way? I see the opposition in my life, but now the harder question is, where am I being stubborn with God? Is there an area of my life where I am resisting God? I, I'm aware of what God is saying to me. I aware, I'm aware of what God is asking of me, Am I resisting it? Am I being stubborn and saying, no, this is what I want to do. This is where I want to go. This is what I want to say. Because here's what we can begin to connect. Remember, not all opposition comes from God. However, if we can begin to identify areas of our life where we are stubbornly resisting God, we will see how some of those oppositions begin to make a little bit more sense. Oh, remember what the angel said? I stood in your way. I opposed you. 
I am your opposition because you have been stubbornly resisting me. Some of, not all, but some of the opposition that we face is God trying to get our attention because there's areas of our life where we are stubbornly resisting God. So where do you resist him? Where are you being stubborn in your ways versus his ways? If you can begin to discover that, if your eyes can begin to become open like Balaam's were, you will begin to see why there are some of the opposition in our life. I'm not saying it's going to fix all of it, but it'll help us become more aware of, okay, God, I see what you're doing. God uses opposition in our lives when we have a stubborn and resistant heart. So here's what Balaam does. A great response. Verse 34. Then Balaam confessed to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. I didn't realize you were standing in the road to block my way. I will return home if you are against my going. So he has this moment. It took him long enough, but it has, he has this moment finally where he confesses. He's humbled himself. He's face down on the ground before this angel, the angel of God. And he says, I've sinned. And this is the same response we need to have. When we become aware of the stubbornness and the resistance that we have put up against God, then we respond the same way. We say, okay, God, I, I get it. My eyes are starting to be a little bit more opened. I'm a sinner. I have sinned. We can all say that. And he says, I didn't realize it. You've opened my eyes. I haven't seen it before, but I'm starting to see it now. I'm starting to get a better picture and grasp of what's going on. And then he says this great phrase, I will return home if you are against my going. In other words, he's willing to change. Oh, that's a huge part. I've sinned. I didn't realize it, but I'm not gonna do anything about it. (laughs) No, I've sinned and I've realized it. And God, I'm willing to change. I've been going this way, but if you want me to go this way, I'll go this way. I've been doing this, but if you want me to do that, he's willing to change based on whatever God would tell him now. And what's great is we can go so many years, so many seasons of our life doing our own thing. We always have this moment of opportunity where we're like, okay, I get it. I see it. I'm willing to change. I'm willing to go this way instead of that way. I'm willing to follow your ways instead of my ways. And we always have that opportunity. Even Balaam, a wicked, stubborn, resisting God type of a prophet, was given an opportunity to change. So God used who? Well, first and foremost, God used a donkey. (laughs) God can use, as we said, anything, anyone at any time to accomplish his will. But at the same time, God can use the, the most unlikely to do the most unbelievable. And that's the truth here. When we see this story, we see God giving the donkey to the ability to speak, which is hilarious, but, but kind of sobering of like, wow, God, you really can do anything. You really can use anyone. And let me just throw out all of your excuses. We said earlier, often we, we come in our hands with all of our stuff and say, God, there's no way you could use me. Let me just tell you, if God can use a donkey for his purpose and his will, he most certainly can use you and he most certainly can use me. We don't have any other excuses. God used a donkey to not just talk to Balaam, but to get his attention, to help him rationalize and to start getting Balaam to think there's something else going on that you're not aware of that you can't or choose not to actually see. Now, let me give you a a, a disclaimer here, because if we're not careful, what you're going to hear from me is, well, that's great, Brian. I didn't know God would use a donkey to tell me what to do. I'll just wait until God starts speaking to my cat about what I should do. And when the cat talks to me, I'll do exactly what I'm supposed to do. Not the point of this, this scripture text here. 
Because understand, when God used the donkey to speak to Balaam, that was a last resort. That was a last resort. The angel of the Lord was standing in his way with a what drawn? A sword drawn. I would highly advise you to not wait until God has an angel with a sword drawn blocking your way for you to finally pay attention to what he's doing. No, the donkey talking was a last resort. If you were to read prior to where we picked up this morning, you would see God and Balaam having conversations already. So it wasn't like Balaam had no clue what was going on and then a donkey talked to him. No, Balaam knew what was going on. He failed to see it because of the condition of his heart, but he and God have had, con- had, had conversations prior to this moment. We would call this moment in our lives, the way this would relate to us, is when you finally hit bottom. That's the talking donkey moment for us, is when we hit bottom, oh, my eyes open. Oh, I see. That's what's been happening. We, wouldn't, we don't want to wait till we hit bottom before we finally have our eyes open. So yes, God can use anything and anyone, any situation and anything, but if we wait until it gets that far in, man, there's a lot that could have been, there's a lot of regrets that we could have gone without having even. That's why God uses, yes, the unlikely to speak to us and uses the unlikely, but he also uses and speaks to us through the likely. And he's going to speak through your spouse. Men, your wife is a voice of God. Listen to her for the majority of the time. I should say all the time. I think my wife's in here. Yes, listen to her all the time (laughs) compared to scripture. But yes, listen to her. God's going to speak through your spouse. He's going to speak through your family members. He's going to speak through your friends. He's going to speak through, through counselors. And what happens if if we don't fail to listen and fail to notice what God's doing through those likely people, then it escalates. Remember, when we don't deal with opposition in the right way, opposition escalates. Our emotional reaction and our stubbornness also escalates because then what happens if we don't pay attention to the counselors and our family and our friends and our spouse, then all of a sudden we're sitting in an attorney's office. Oh, now it's gotten real. When we haven't been listening Now we're sitting across the table from a divorce attorney. When we haven't been listening now regarding our kids and the counselors at our kids' school, now we're sitting sitting having a conversation through glass because our kid's in prison. And now we're in front of a judge. I mean, you can see how opposition escalates and God will use all of them to speak to us and to open our eyes. But he's saying, don't wait for that talking donkey moment. Don't wait to hit bottom because he's already speaking. We just have to be willing to realize it. That was Balaam's problem. He didn't realize it. There was a heart condition, and he wasn't asking any questions. But yes, God can even use a donkey. You look at who Balaam was. Remember, a wicked prophet. God still used him. God used a rebellious, stubborn, wicked prophet to do his will. If you keep reading through the scripture, just a few verses down, Numbers 22, same chapter, but verse 38, Balaam has arrived to the king of Moab. The angel replied back when, when he said, hey, I'm willing to change. If you don't want me to go, I won't go. God spoke through the angel and said, no, keep going. But he gave Balaam some very strict instructions on what to say, what not to say, what to do, and what not to do. So now Balaam is standing, standing before the king of Moab, and the king of Moab says, great, you're here. I will reward you. All you gotta do is curse the Israelites. Look at Balaam's response, night and day different. Balaam replied, look, Now I have come. And I feel like Balaam probably would have said this with a heavy heart because he knows he's not going to get the money that he was hoping for. (laughs) Look, now I've come. It's been a long week. A donkey talked to me. Don't ask, long story. But I have no power. Look at this. I have no power to say whatever I want. I will speak only the message that God puts in my mouth. That's life change. 
That's life change. And God used this stubborn, rebellious, wicked prophet for his will, for his purpose. And that stubborn, rebellious prophet even changed. Now, if you were to keep reading about Balaam, he's got a lot more issues, but he has a moment of life change. His opposition became his story of life change. We're so quick to to try to get out of our opposition. That's usually why we just blow through it without asking any questions. That's what Balaam did first. He said, I'll just get through it. I'm gonna beat the donkey until I get all the way through it. He's like, no, you haven't asked me any questions about why this is even happening and what you're missing. But Balaam's story of opposition became a story of life change. And I pray that would be the same for us. We identify the opposition that we're currently facing. We have an honest look at our own heart condition. God, where am I resisting you? God, where am I being stubborn in my own ways? And just maybe that opposition or some of the opposition that we're facing is God saying, I'm trying to get your attention. And then we can begin to figure out how we handle the opposition. Do we blow through it? This is a moment for us to grow in our faith and to have God be the strength in our weakness? Sure, maybe. Maybe God's saying, I need you to just wait. That opposition, opposition is there because we're on my time, not your time. Or maybe he's saying, you're going the wrong way. Like Balaam, stop. This is for your good. This is for your protection. If you keep going down this road, it's not going to end well. But if we never seek God and never listen to his word, we will never know what we are to do with the opposition that we currently face. Is it from him? Is it not from him? What are we to do with it? But Balaam's story of opposition became his story of life change because he finally realized what was happening. Now, for all of us sitting in this room, like I said, it's easy to identify the opposition. It's a lot more difficult to realize, to open our eyes and see what God's doing. So my hope and my prayer for you is that you would have that moment that Balaam had when he said, I confess to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. I didn't realize you were standing there in the road to block my way. I will return home if you want me to. That would be our prayer this morning. God, I I have totally messed this thing called life up. And, And my eyes are starting to open. I'm starting to see it. I'll do what you want. I've been living this way, I've been doing this, I've been saying this, I've been going this way, but God, if you want, I'll I'll change. And if that's you this morning, you don't have to have all the answers, you don't have to have it all figured out, you don't have to wait for a donkey to start talking to you to have your eyes open by what God's doing in your life. Ask some questions of him, seek his answers through his word, and have that moment of life change. Okay, God, let's do it your way. If that's you this morning, I want to invite you to do something we started last week for Easter. Um, outside, when you walk out this lobby, we have what we had called our story wall. Uh, we're now calling it our life change wall. Because every single card out there that you see that looks like this, that's a story of life change from somebody that walked out there and said, God's changed my life this, this morning. And so if you have been dealing with opposition and, and after we've gone through his word, you're starting to realize, okay, I see, I see what God's doing here. What I would invite you to do is walk out there in a little bit and take a card that's black and blank on one side, and simply just turn it around. Because that's what Balaam did. He turned his life around. He said, I went from, a, from being opposed by God to saying, I'll do what you want me to do. I pray we would all pray like Balaam this morning, 
God, whatever opposition is in my way, I will start doing it your way. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for what you teach us through your word. Thank you for the love that you have for us even when when we are doing it wrong and you are blocking our way, when you're opposing us, when you're trying to get our attention, using any and everything possible to help us realize what's really happening and what we're really doing. I pray this morning is an open-eyed moment for each and every one of us. Like Balaam, we would realize how you're working in our lives, but more importantly, how you're still choosing to use us. We are truly in awe and amazed that you would still use a man like Balaam to do your will. And God, if you can use a donkey and if you can use Balaam, I have no doubt you can most definitely use me. I pray that you would help us know what you're doing as you continue to use us. We trust you and we give you our lives, all of it. No more stubborn resisting. In Jesus' name, amen.